Stranger Still podcast. I'm Kathleen. And I'm Miles. Rewatching every episode of Stranger Things ahead of the May and July two-part release of season four. It has been three years. Let's catch up together. Follow us at StrangerStill22 on Twitter. Subscribe, review on Spotify, Anchor, Apple, wherever you get your podcasts. And like this USS Butterscotch, this episode better be one of many reviews. Season three, chapter four, the sauna test. The sauna test. <laughs> so we open with Elle at Max's house and she is shook over what she's seen. She knows something's wrong. Max is sure that everything's fine because they saw that Heather was alive. But what about Billy? He seemed wrong. Seemed wrong. But, you know, Max just keeps reassuring her and then they start talking about Wonder Woman comics. Yeah, I... I think that it's realistic that Max is like, it's fine. You know, yeah. she is, Max is a kid after all. We think that she's she's in a position of know-it-all because mm-hmm. Eleven knows like nothing of society. But yeah, Max, it makes sense. Uh, and I just wanted to say, Mike and Lucas and Dustin and Will, they're all nerds. How have they not shown Eleven Wonder Woman? Yeah. Well, because they, they don't it, care because it's a woman's comic, I, maybe? I don't know. Is it is the implication that only women like the Wonder Woman comics? I don't know. I, I guess so. I don't so. think that that's true. But this opening scene, we're actually splitting between a few parts. So we've got them at night. They kind of cuddle up with the comics in a super sweet slumber party. And we go over to Mrs. Driscoll. Oh, she's being, boy. She's being wheeled out. I have to go back. I have to go back. We have to go back, Kate. We have to go back. Okay, this isn't lost. This is Stranger oh, Things. No We're not on a deserted island with a smoke monster. We've got a shadow monster. That's right. We're not. We have to go back. Okay, keep oh, going. Boy. <laughs> Anyways, so, so Doris is not doing well. <laughs> and then we go over the warehouse and Heather's parents also are not doing well. Ooh. Heather's being super creepy. Oh, the Hi, actress. Daddy. Yeah. There's no stopping it, Daddy. You'll see. Oh, the actress who plays Heather, her, her ability to just look dead beyond her eyes. She's dead inside. Yeah. Oh. I don't know that there's any Heather left at that point. I don't think, I think so. I think Heather, Heather has been fully consumed. That is She's the mind She's been fully flayed. Yeah. And then they see the meat monster, Tom and his wife see the the, the, the meat, meat flayer, as you call it. <laughs> I, I think look, that's what, yeah. I think that's that's what it's called. Oh, okay. No, I, I don't you know. didn't coin it. You know, I was, I was I ready to give they, you all the credit. I think, I, I think you should have just taken the credit on that. No, one. I think they call it that in the show. I, I, I can be uh, honest. We'll, be honest. we'll see, won't we? We'll talk about see. How much we forgot. You'll we'll see. And you pointed out right while we were watching, when it gets suctioned onto their faces, like it leaves the eye so they can like see Ugh, like the, Tom's Tom like one is just eye is like staring ah! in horror as he's getting pumped full of flair. Oh, that sounded dirty. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't have to until you said that. All right. And then that's, that's it. Beginning credits. And we're just left like, holy moly, that was a lot to happen in the first scene that we see. It was. So let's pick up with Tom, who is at work, sweating, and he is going to fire these two interns who have gone off the dang reservation. Oh, yes. He is pissed that they 
you know, betrayed his trust. You know, they work on trust <laughs> and he fires them. Mm-hmm. But they have a moment where Nancy is just like ready to, she cuts in to try to stick up for herself and he kicks the chair mm-hmm. and the, the camera shot, it yeah. jolts. It's like a really creepy moment there. Yeah, it is. He's like, do you know how I built that trust? And he kicks. The internet says that that's called a Dutch angle used to kind of build unease. And it continues through the scene, actually. It is a little bit off for the rest of that scene. And Nancy seems to know, although she says Tom is on drugs, she seems to know something is up with this guy. Despite the fact that I I think they deserve to be fired. Yeah. They, they, They did misrepresent themselves as reporters. That you can't, that cannot go unpunished. They, they did enter a home without Yeah. The permission. Pa- the paper cannot keep them and explain that behavior. So no. I, I, I agree they should be fired. But Mrs. He, Driscoll yeah. apparently is a paranoid schizophrenic. But that is that's not true, do you think? I don't think uh, that's true. You know I mean she did say Lyndon B. Johnson killed John F. Kennedy. Then again, you know, there's a lot of theories about yeah, John F. Kennedy. I, I don't I don't know that that's true either. I mm. think that's part of the the mind flare. But um yeah. So on the ride home they fight. Yeah, they fight and they pretty much break up. I mean, the words aren't said, but Nancy says, I guess we just don't understand each other because Jonathan is pissed. He's like you know, it's because it's directly because of your actions that, uh, you know, we're fired. It's not really. He could have just said no and not gone along with it. I was behind Nancy, though. Nancy should have continued with the story. It was a great story. I, I mean, no, she should not have. That is not her job. I don't know. I'm, this is my middle you know, manager. Now I'm going, I was just saying, yeah, she should have gotten fired. But I disagree. I think she was right to take initiative and follow this story. Whether it was the right thing to do working for that newspaper, I don't know. But following the story was the right thing yeah, to do. And I think Mrs. Wheeler brings us to that. I agree with that. She should she should be looking into this. Mrs. Driscoll, clearly, she connected with Mrs. Driscoll in a way that she knows something may be up here. Yeah. So I agree with that. But, but she, she, she didn't act in a a, she pretended to act in official capacity of the hawkins post and she wasn't authorized to do that you can't do that but okay i I don't like it but but you make (laughs) some valid points i do um i do like that both jonathan and nancy have like valid Mm -hmm. reasons for why they're angry yeah jonathan is like i depend on this job I have to think about money. We, we don't have money. You grew up with cushy money. You don't mm-hmm. understand. And she's like, you don't understand being a woman in, in an industry where you're trying to rise, not being able to do that. Like journalism surrounded by a bunch of men who look down on you. Yeah, jo- you don't understand that. Yeah. Jonathan calls it, you know, it sucks for everybody. Like, no, that was an expressly inappropriate workplace. Yeah. That, and Nancy is right. That was humiliating. And Jonathan, is kind of dismissive of that but nancy is also like completely wrong in or uh jonathan is completely right in his pointing out that nancy is not going to have the even close to the repercussions that he's going to have her and she t- never yeah. once considered her that. taking risks is not yeah. as big of a deal as it is to him so yet again stranger things gives us this where both characters have a point and yeah. that's compelling and i, I like watching that yeah and it's it's a sad development in their relationship yeah. but can we keep following Nancy to since we kind of touched on a little bit right to the Mrs. Wheeler conversation? No. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Which was yes, a super absolutely. sweet. I 
love that scene. You know, uh, we don't see enough of Karen. Mm-hmm. I, I just, I, I like that character. I, she's like this good, wholesome mom. And so she comes and checks on Nancy and she's upset. She's feeling, you know, maybe I was wrong. Maybe I just wanted to be right. And Karen starts basically reflecting her own life in her advice. It's not easy out there, Nance. People are always saying you can't, you shouldn't. Most people stop trying. And she is, I mean, she's not saying it, but she's basically comparing it to her life. She's settled with Ted. Well, the the quote is not most people stop trying. It's I, then she stops herself. Most people start Ooh, stop trying. I didn't even catch she, that. So Mrs. Wheeler basically says, I just stopped trying, married a rich guy who is completely oblivious to the whole world. <laughs> <laughs> um, I like that. And then, like we said, Mrs. Wheeler gets to the right point. If you believe in this story, finish it. Yeah. I love it. I, it, it was, this is nice to pick up that thread of Nancy saying that, hey, she was going to do more than her mom and she mm-hmm. was going to go farther. You remember when in season one when she was shooting the guns and she's like, no. Yeah. You don't have me pegged. I'm gonna I'm gonna turn out to be more than what my mom turned out to be. Yeah. And then this moment where Nancy realizes, you know, hey, maybe they're not so different. Maybe Nancy's got a chance that maybe her mom didn't have. Yeah, to go further. Yeah. Not that she's not turning out like her mom. She's going further than her mom yeah. went. I, I like I, that. That's a super sweet thread. And to it's pick a up very on. adult moment, yes. too. It's an adult moment of growth. Whereas, like, if before she was a teenager, you never want to be like your parents. And then as an adult, you realize what it must have been like for your parents to struggle in that way. Yeah. Um, but yeah, she goes for it because. Of her mom's advice. And so she goes to the hospital and um, poses as Doris Driscoll's granddaughter, and she's ready to start investigating. Yeah. All right, let's pop over to Hopper, who is in the concussion protocol. And like the NFL in the 1980s, the solution is to take some pills, drink a beer, and get back out yeah, there. I'm like, he, he literally goes right to the fridge and grabs a beer. Oh my gosh. But I guess that was an 80s thing. That they didn't was. care about concussions he's back then. Barfing. He's that's not a good sign. Can I just say, though, the moment that scene starts, it's he wakes up and Joyce is there mm. and you see him looking up at her and you can see a tear falling out of his eye. That's just a such a touching, mm. short, subtle moment that I just thought was really sweet. I wanted to point out. Oh, I didn't catch that. And if I had caught it, I would have thought it was from the previous barfs. But well, you are no, no, on it. He no. had just woken up. <laughs> okay. He had just, just woken just up. You get out of here. <laughs> so they're going to the mayor's office and <laughs> Hopper, Hopper takes on the mayor. Joyce takes guard of the secretary. <laughs> and he starts basically beating the hell out of the mayor. The yeah. mayor is like denying everything first hopper tries to blackmail him and then the mayor unfortunately has beef has dirt on hopper he didn't get this far by being a bad politician by being Mm, able to be blackmailed like that he's gonna he's gonna get him i love when um klein mayor klein says uh don't give me the sob story about your dead daughter because that line is specifically there to ensure the audience is not going to feel bad for this character as he gets the shit beat out and beaten out of him for the next 40 minutes. <laughs> and for you listeners, um, hopefully this is all a rewatch and you know where we're going from this. Um, Hopper with Joyce realizes that um, the guy that she saw driving away was on a motorcycle, which connects him to the mayor. Yeah. That's why they go oh, to that's the right. mayor's office. Yeah, thanks for circling back to that. Yeah. I love the stuff in the mayor's office. <laughs> I love how Hopper 
doesn't just accept defeat with the blackmail. When you have supernatural elements <laughs> that nobody else understands, just break the guy's nose. He just get it done. The and yet again, Hopper. You know, he <laughs> just through. got he just got beat up. He's ready to take some revenge on somebody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's like the kid who got beat up. Now he's gonna beat up this guy. <laughs> yeah, and he's not taking any of the mayor's crap. Could have been a maintenance guy. Mm-hmm. No, no, it was not a maintenance guy. I know you knew yeah. know who it was that came to see you. And he beats him up all the way to the mayor's house who pulls out some some land deeds from yep, a safe in his house. The mayor was Ugh. helping them, you know, get yeah. land, pay yeah. for land. And this this makes sense. Klein the swine has Klein has swine. betrayed the people, but he has unknowingly done something extremely dangerous. Some light treason potentially. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's an arrested development joke. There's no such thing as light treason. <laughs> Uh, Also, perhaps world-affecting repercussions, considering what's going on. I mean, he doesn't know this. All he knows is he's got a super nice mansion out of it. Uh, Yep. Because he's just a small-town mayor. with some shady folks, but he's getting a lot of perks from it. (laughs) He's got the zebra rug and all that What does he think? It's like working for the mob? (laughs) I guess so. I guess that is what he thinks. So between the deeds in the safe and the map on the wall, Joyce puts together that they are buying around the power station. And again, Joyce is saving the day. (laughs) She's like the true detective here. She's discovering what's really (laughs) happening. And so, you know, they decide they are going to go to every property and they're going to find where this machine is. I love that they like, you know, cuff the mayor in and his Mm -hmm. wife. She's been, she was at that, uh, that aerobics class, yeah, obviously. Yeah, she was. And wasn't she at the pool as well, the wife? Oh, I don't know. I think she I, was. I'm I think probably. she's the one who says, get my back. <laughs> get me a goddamn phone. <laughs> I just love that. Hopper and Joyce are going nuts together. I mean, they are yeah. rampaging. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. All right, let's go over to the Scoops Ahoy group. My favorite group, Dustin, Robin, and Steve, and they add into the fold Erica. Gosh, I love this character. She's so awesome. They need her because they need somebody small who can get through the vents. Mm Because Robin has figured out the blueprints. Yep, Rockstar Robin. Crushing it again. Nice nickname. Nice nickname. Rockstar Robin. Dustin, you know, (laughs) first before the vents, though, oh, I have to go back to the. There's the guy with the gun, and Steve will just sneak up on him and beat him up. And Dustin <laughs> calls out what surely everyone in the audience is thinking is, have you have you ever actually won a fight? Because <laughs> he has been absolutely beaten to a pulp in both the last two seasons. And we know he's he's going to be hard-pressed in this one as well. Absolutely. Yep. So they decide that that plan's out. Mm-hmm. And, uh, then they go to the vent plan, and they need to convince Erica... And they go to the table to talk terms. <laughs> and she is, so she is super smart. She is. She's incredibly intelligent yeah. um, and that. way cooler than Lucas is. She's cooler. like the cooler sibling. I think she is. I think I, I like Lucas more than her, but. Well, I mean, I'm not saying, no, I like her more than Lucas. Okay. Actually, I Luke, like Lucas a lot. I was not a fan of him in season one, but he really grew on me. I am definitely a fan of his sister, though. <laughs> she just cracks me up. Are you familiar with capitalism? <laughs> <laughs> you need my services. So I expect ice cream for life. Free ice cream for life. I love when Dustin questions her patriotism, and she's like, you can't spell America without Erica. And he's <laughs> like, oh, you're, 
you're well, actually right there. I mean, I you, can't, that is correct. I can't <laughs> argue with that. Uh, but she eventually accepts on the on the condition of free ice cream. Though, I mean, are Steve and Robin always going to work there? Is Erica really thinking this through? Because they may not oh, always no. work there. She needs to get this in writing. Uh, you know, maybe something with the owner. That's they could get the, the manager to on. her age, though. Of mm. course, she's, she is very <laughs> smart, but she is still a child. Yeah. <laughs> she's not thinking about uh, early onset diabetes either. You don't want free <laughs> ice cream. It's too no. tempting. No. Too tempting. I love how she calls it Operation Child Endangerment. <laughs> oh, yes. And Robin's child like, can, can we... Endangerment. <laughs> Robin's like, can we, can we not call it? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, she's successful. She she crawls success. through the vents. She makes it in there. There's no booby traps. She opens the door, yeah. reiterates, free ice cream for <laughs> life. That's such a funny image to me. Erica in her bright yellow shirt, her light blue overalls with the bright pink backpack. Right. You know, just like, free ice cream. I did it. <laughs> right. She's like, you guys are so stupid. You had to get a child to do this for yeah. you. That's what I love that too. So they finally get a look in what's going on there. There's a yeah. bunch of boxes. They open one of them up and there's frozen green. canisters of green goo. What is it? Don't we don't we don't know. Well, we remember all of the things, but we're just going to pretend like we don't. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, I don't remember what the green goo is for. I don't remember either. There's a cool moment with Steve where he's like, stand back, Dustin. And Dustin's like, if you die, I die. And Steve's <laughs> like, I does what I always want characters to do. There's always like this fight between you got, no, it's me. It's me and me alone. Steve's like, fine. I, you know, okay. I tried. You can stand there. Okay. <laughs> I love that. Oh, Steve's so easygoing. Yep. So, yeah. So then suddenly the room starts moving. They try to press the button to open the door back up so they can get out, press the wrong button and end up plummeting deep into the earth. <laughs> And we leave them off on quite that cliffhanger. Yeah. It's funny how we like... no idea what they're about to discover, except for we do since we've seen it. Yeah. There's like one thread per episode that leaves off on sort of a cliffhanger. Last episode, it was Jonathan and Nancy finding Mrs. Driscoll with the fertilizer. Kind of interesting. Most yeah. of the other ones kind of like come to a stopping point, but... Can, you, uh, can I just say right here, it doesn't feel right to not have the party together. I am mm. just eager to get Dustin back with the party. Yeah, how, how have, has he seen any of them since the, since the hill, since Susie no, do copy? No, I, I don't think so. Wow. Yeah, so he's gone three full chapters yeah. without seeing any of the kids. Yeah, he's got Steve. He's got Steve, and I I love this the team of Steve, Robin, and Dustin, yeah. mm -hmm. and now Erica. <laughs> so speaking of the party, let's head on over to them. The Lucas trying to call the girls. This is a code red. Trying to call Dustin unsuccessfully because he's on his own mission, mm -hmm. and they convince the girls to come over. And Will starts explaining finally what he has been experiencing this whole summer. <laughs> and when you've been dormant. It's like you're dormant, except for when he, you need to be used by the mind flayer. Mm -hmm. Now, Stranger Things, not Will, but Stranger Things has always done a great job explaining like abstract sort of concepts or supernatural concepts to us, the audience. Mm -hmm. um, and this, you know, we had L teaching us about the upside down, Mr. Clark teaching us about the acrobat and the flea. Dustin teaching us about the mind flayer. And here, Will, with this charcoal drawing and this speech here, really describes that a piece of the mind flare is locked out here with us mm -hmm. when Eleven closed the gate. There's wonderful charcoal drawings. I love when he smacks the, the paper and the, his hand with the charcoal yeah. hits on it. And boom, 45 seconds, 
we know that he's right. I do like, though, Max brought up a really good point that I'm sure, I mean, I didn't make this connection, but mm. I'm sure other list, um, watchers did, where she says, well, all of the demodogs died when mm. she closed the rip. How how did this not die? So I don't remember if that ever gets answered. Um, the answer is whatever needs to happen, whatever the... <laughs> Whatever needs to happen for the story to make sense. All right. Fa- fair enough, I guess. <laughs> and Plot ele- hole. <laughs> Eleven says, how can you tell if someone is a host? Which does mean that she wasn't fully aware that she was talking to the mind flare when she was talking mm, to Billy earlier. I think she knows, though. She knows. No, she's, she she deep right. down knows, but she's trying right. to, okay, the wife is always right. She's never <laughs> wrong, son. So we go to the pool. Yep. So we go to the pool. They hatch this plan to... Um, to basically capture Billy into the sauna so they can roast the mind flare out of Billy. And they, so that they can prove that Billy really has been taken by the mind flare because at this point they're still not a hundred percent sure that he is possessed. Yeah. Um, and Max is definitely the one hoping it, she's saying, I hope it's not you. Yeah. I just, I think that's really sweet and touching because they've had this horrible relationship, but there is still that, that bond that they share at least a little bit of it, that yeah. sibling bond. Yeah. I was glad Max didn't just like accept this willy nilly, you know, just because it's obvious to us, the, the audience, she's the one really keeping them grounded the most. Yes. <laughs> so they're preparing for this. And I like this moment that Mike and 11 have where Mike it, finally tells her I was lying this is why I was lying I'm really sorry but 11 she's still mad and Mm. Max has brought up a good point she says to Mike what if he's right if I only see you and I'm a different species as you then maybe I should hang out with my species more Mm. she's definitely right about needing to hang out with more people absolutely She, she was wrong to spy on them Mike is horrified by this, and it is horrifying. It's a huge breach of trust. Absolutely. I can't believe do we, does it's we let this like go? It's just like listening in on a phone call, except for with her yeah. mind. <laughs> this is extreme. I, do we dwell on this anymore on the season? Because it is kind of messed oh, up. I'm sure it comes up again. It is messed he up. He was too mad for that to not come up again. Yeah. So they've got their plan. Um, they set up the dummy in the sauna and they lure Billy there with the walkie and lock him in and they crank that heat. Now Billy starts to beg and he starts to talk to Max. Do you think that that's really Billy or is that the mind flayer kind of ch- trying the first tactic, which is to get pity from Max to open the door? He said, I, I, he made me do it. I've done very bad things. Oh, when he's, I, no. I I think that that's him in that moment. You think it's Billy? I think that he's coming through that shows that he is still there, whereas like maybe Heather isn't. <laughs> um, but I, I think that he really is in there. And in that moment, that truly is Billy. And we see Max walks up to, she's at the window. You can see the emotions that she's feeling. She's like so scared for Billy, hurting for Billy in that moment. But then Will feels, mm-hmm. feels the uh, mind flare activate. And there you get away from that window just in time because right then Billy yeah. cram crashes through the window. Yeah, Again, they're a very good team. Will feels that, tells Mike, Mike tells Max because Will, you should have just shouted it out to the sky, but hey, he's doing better. He's doing better. It's also an important thing for us to see and for the the group to see because there is some clear tension between Max 
and the other kids about doing this to Billy. Yeah. Because what if Billy isn't the mind flayer? You know, she is very unsure, but she trusts Will and she knows that Will is right. You know, and when Billy is crying, he made me do it. He says he sees a shadow. So there's another context clue for her that this is right. And when, so when the mind flayer activates and his whole body turns black, Mm. like when it shoots back to Nancy seeing Mrs. Driscoll in that moment, Nancy knows she has seen this before. She saw this in Will. So she knows that the mind flayer is back in that moment. Oh, good point. I didn't think of that. Um, She saw it in Will. Yeah, I just, oh, that's such a creepy, just really cool moment. But like you said, there's a lot of emotion going on because uh, Max is like, oh, this is my brother. This is horrible that he's experiencing it. And the others are like, this is the mind flayer. He's trying to kill us, blah, 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 blah. Lucas gets a hit with the wrist rocket. Oh, his yeah. most successful wrist rocket <laughs> right? shot so far. Kind of a David and Goliath scene here. <laughs> it knocks him back. Yeah, it, it knocks does. Him back. But he, break, he breaks out. And then it's Billy versus L mm-hmm. in this tight room. And it's really well staged and well, I guess they did all their own stunts. Millie Bobby Brown and uh, I don't know if it's Dacker or Dacre. His, his name is spelled D-A-C-R-E. The actor plays Billy. I have no idea. Uh, but just to give <laughs> him a real quick shout out, he is amazing in this oh, episode. Absolutely. Super awesome. He's fantastic. And then I heard he did a few interviews after the season was over, and he just seems like the nicest guy. <laughs> and he plays such a jerk. I feel, you know, a little bad for him. He's not quite like Joffrey status from oh, Game of Thrones, God. where people were actually threatening that actor yeah. after this. You know, it's not quite that bad, but. You know, I do feel bad for him. Yeah. Well, hopefully he was compensated for this. I, he does such a good job. And they clearly want him in the show. Because really, why does the Mind Flayer want Billy so badly? Why doesn't the Mind Flayer just let one of his meat puppets die? Why does he Why does he care so much I, about I mean, Billy? I think it goes back to what we talked about before, that Billy has a lot of anger inside of him. Mm. And that the Mind Flayer is able to use that. That allows the Mind Flayer to control him. The Mind Flayer also sees that he is incredibly popular, incredibly good looking. Mm. So um, people naturally trust him. So he's able to do a lot. Yeah. So I think, well, I think the good look, the good looking, I think is pretty on it. Billy and Heather, he wants the most, you know, the show apples up front. They're show both very, apples up front. Both very good looking. So they have this battle in this tight confines. Oh my gosh, yes. And at first, Elle looks like she's rocking it, but Billy is, well, the mind flare because it's not Billy at this moment. Yeah, this is the full flare. The mind flare is fighting against her strength. He pushes the weights off of him. He grabs Elle and he's choking her. And she's she's about to pass out. We're thinking like, oh my gosh, is this going to be the end? Well, I'm obviously, Obviously, we know it's not. But then Mike comes in and saves the day and, and knocks Billy the Mind Flayer over the head. Yeah. Both Lucas and Mike get little heroic moments in this. Ooh, and then Elle's big, gun, big guns come out. Yeah, she starts, as, as he goes for Mike, yeah, she lifts him up and shoots him through a brick mm-hmm. wall out into the yard, and he runs away. Yeah, and I would <laughs> let me just say... So does the the mind flayer's presence in Billy's body does that give him more resilience because as an actual human being, there's no way he would have survived that yeah. and been able to run away. So once the mind flayer is done with him, is his body just going to fall dead and broken? Like how is I how think, is he still alive? I think when the mind flayer is done with him, his body is going to fall dead and broken because I think the mind flayer is like able to remove pain. 
and like a, all, a bunch of stuff and, because he gets hit by the slingshot and he gets yeah. launched back. So he, I mean, either that's a very, very poorly constructed brick wall, <laughs> which it is a, a swimming pool, right? It's a, but yeah. it's either that or, or the mind flayer is able to handle broken bones because yeah, that, that part doesn't make sense. I, I don't get, I, I didn't really like the, the physics and the reality of this fight. I, the emotions to it, I, I fully was on board yeah. with that. But why is Eleven allowing Billy to touch her at all? She exploded six people's heads, no problem, two years ago. We've seen her move trains. We've seen her close entire gates. Well, this is the why? thing. Why? Why is she allowing that? This is the thing. It shows, first off, how strong the Mind Flayer is. He's probably using an incredible amount of strength, more than the train, you know, more than she's had to use in the past. Mm. And... And we always know that Eleven's truth strength comes out when somebody she loves is being threatened. Mm -hmm. And at that point, I mean, yes, they're all kind of ready to get attacked. But like nobody directly is about to get attacked by him. It's when you see um, Billy about the mind flayer about to Mm -hmm. attack Mike. That's when she lifts him through the air and throws him. The wall. She should not have let Billy live, or Billy shouldn't have lived in this. But I mean, we kind of had to. He had some plot armor here. I thought maybe they were gonna do like a, you know, Eleven doesn't want to explode Billy's head in front of Max, or like that. There would be some friction between Max and Eleven about whether to kill him or not. You know, because mm-hmm. there's there was hope for Will, right? So maybe there could be hope for Billy. They didn't really play into that or anything, but I, I thought that that would be it. Yeah. So how about that final scene? Ooh. So it, Billy it goes good. Billy goes back and talks to Heather. Billy says, you know, is was it or she it says, was, was her. it her? She knows now. She knows about me. Okay. She could have killed me. Yes, but not us. So who's the first person talking? And who's it's the second Bi- person? It's Billy. So Well, Bi- it's the mind flare. But then the mind flare is talking to the mind flare? The mind flare is talking to the... the mind flare just crazy? Oh, talking to the upside down. It's the hive mind. It's the hive mind. There's like the mind flare is kind of like a part of all of them that's Mm. running them, but they're still somewhat individual. So it's Billy talking to Heather. He says, it was her. She knows now. She knows about me. She could have killed me. And then Heather says, yes, but not us. Not us. And then that camera shot Mm -hmm. to the rest of the room. They're like deactivated yeah it's super creepy all right let's do feeler moment music moment and final question so for my feeler moment i'm gonna go back to that moment that i already discussed in length of hopper and joyce when he wakes up after he's been beaten to hell (laughs) joyce has basically manhandled him all the way into this room declothed him and has been taking care of him he wakes up the first face he sees is Joyce and you see that tear falling down his eyes you uh, their entire relationship is just conveyed within that moment the amount of love that he feels for Joyce and at this point I think that he loves Joyce um, I just I think that's so sweet, so incredibly subtle, and just expertly done by that actor. Totally agree, and I I did not catch that tear. Uh, so that's why we have you on the podcast, my beautiful wife. Well, thanks. All right, music Happy mo- to be here. <laughs> music moment. Let's take a quick listen to the score in that sauna fight scene. Now, of course, visuals, 
inform, you know, audio and audio informs visuals. But to me, this feels like the way a synthesizer would sound if it was alive and had flesh and blood and it's just Ooh. yearning out of something, like electrifying out. It's <laughs> like the meat player. It's not your normal upside down style thing that we're hearing here. There's just this different like yearning to it, flesh and blood. Billy, this is called the Mirkwood theme, <laughs> which sounds like it's from season one and sounds like it's very innocent, but is from the season three score. And the this the cool thing about the sauna test, this plays throughout the whole battle, the whole the whole interrogation of Billy, and then the whole battle with these just really cool stuff. The interesting thing about this is this fades, uh, this track fades into another score track called the sauna test. After as Mike and Eleven embrace, you know, feeling relieved that neither one of them died, mm -hmm. and as Billy runs away. We fade into the horns of Vera Lynn's will meet again. Don't know oh, how. Yeah. Don't know. Now, did that song hit you any different than than any other songs in this series? I mean, it's from a different era, right? It is from a different era, but I just I was just curious of that question because after a whopping 16 non-score songs, Madonna, REO, Speedwagon, Huey Lewis in chapter one. In chapter two, we got more Madonna. We had seven different 80s songs there. In chapter three, we had 13 different non-score songs. This Will Meet Again song mm -hmm. at the end of chapter four is the only song in the episode. The only non-score song. Everything else is composed by by Kyle Dixon and Michael Stein. Oh, okay. so we go forty-eight minutes without a popular culture song. And then when we do play it, it's this old it's this romantic. Old yeah. What is that? Fifties or? We'll meet again. You know, that's a great question. Vera Lynn. Shouldn't she date Elvis or something like that? I don't know, but it is like their use of this song because it's basically saying that they're gonna be back. There's gonna be another epic battle with Eleven and the Mind Flayer. Um, but it's just they use this beautiful, like sweet love song yeah. basically <laughs> she did not date elvis she was an english singer and entertainer whose musical recordings and performances were very popular during the second world war so yeah very different yeah. maybe the oldest song we've heard on this yeah. and it comes after an episode with absolutely no 80 songs that's interesting quite cool so, um, you know, I think we're going to skip the question this time since we've asked so many questions within this episode. Um, but please join us for our next episode, episode chapter five. Hi. My name is Miles. I'm Kathleen. And I was looking for the name of the chapter, but that's all right. Good night. <laughs>